Hi everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Dear Society from a Young Black Girl podcast. My name is Kendra, and as usual, I'm your host for this episode. So this is the third official episode coming out, and I've been loving the feedback so far. Um, I've also received many comments saying that I should start receiving guests on my podcast, and I think I might start doing that. So let me know what you think about that, or if you think that's a good idea. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Before we start off with this episode, I just wanted to wish everyone happy Super Bowl Monday, because when this comes out, it's going to be the day after the Super Bowl, so we're going to know the verdict, and I'm speaking it out into the universe that hopefully the Chiefs win, because I'm a huge Travis Kelsey fan. So I will be repping number 87. In this episode, we're going to talk about dealing with anxiety, overthinking, imposter syndrome, which are all the things that I've experienced in my short-lived 18 years. Hopefully, you enjoy this episode, and let's get started. So, I thought of separating these three categories into stages for me um stage one would be overthinking it's like a little seed that's planted and it's something minor but then that minor thing that minor situation grows into anxiety where it troubles me for multiple days or even months or even sometimes years at a time and then once I, let's say, overcome that anxiety or move past it a little bit, then the long-term effects of that anxiety transform into imposter syndrome, whether that's academically-wise, whether that's work-wise, whether that's social life-wise, like, all of the above. So, we're going to start with overthinking, because I think the area in which a lot of my anxieties fester and grow so I wrote down three main points on how I personally stop myself or prevent myself from overthinking now slight disclaimer these may work for me and they might be generic and you've maybe already heard them but um one thing I've learned is just because it works for one person doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily work for another. You can't just like copy-paste and apply what one person you saw online or you saw in your circle or your family does and think that that should work to the same advantage or work the same way for you. So just a little disclaimer for that. But um, the first point that I think is really crucial um, well the first point that I think was really crucial for me in order to prevent myself from overthinking and I still do it to this day but I always try and establish these three points in order to let myself know that Kendra you're going into like this deep hole try and dig yourself back out right so the first point is putting aside perfectionism 
A good example would be when I initially decided to start this podcast. So, it took me about a month or so to finally decide to press record in the first place because I, internally, I wanted it to be perfect, right? And I was like, the first episode has to be great because if it's not great, what's the point of doing this? But then, someone told me, you know what, you just have to click and start. Because how are you supposed to improve? How are you supposed to learn, grow, if you don't just start? Which is very funny because I don't want to say just do it, like Nike slogan. But honestly, just do it. (laughs) The worst that can happen is that you learn from your mistakes. And I know now that seems like a big deal because it's your first shot at something new you just want to be good at it but there's no fun in initially being good at something if we think about everything in life that we've grown to learn whether that's from we're toddlers till now or something that we've acquired in the past year or so the joy the fun that comes with that thing that we take pride and take joy in it originates from us having to work hard and actually put in time and effort into crafting it so for example when I used to do dancing the fun in dancing wasn't necessarily performing for me like yeah that was a great end goal But the actual fun was being able to rehearse and see how well I'd gotten from point A to point B. Same thing can be said for, like, people that go to the gym. Like, yeah, it's cool to see the end goal, but it's even better to see the progress that you made from, like, nine months ago till now. So, think... Having a mindset of not trying to be perfectionist and just starting it or just doing something and growing from that helped me put aside my overthinking mindset. Two, it was to focus on things that I can change because I tend to go into a lot of hypotheticals when overthinking. Um, A great example of this would be when... I applied for CJEP. There was a lot of outside factors that I couldn't control that would stress me out. So I would, oh, but what if this person had a better average than me? But in that moment, I had already applied. There's not much else that I can do, you know? I can go and change someone's overall average or change my overall average. I did what I did. And I have to deal with the consequences of the actions that I did before. So there's no point dwelling on things that I cannot change that are outside of my realm of capacity. The only thing that I can do is control how I react or control how I can get better. So let's say I I didn't get into CJF, then... I should focus on what I need to do 
in order to, in order to get to that goal. Three, um, I started this past half half a year ago, like six months, and it was to highlight the steps I took and nothing else. Let's say I didn't achieve a goal I had set myself to achieve. Instead of focusing on what I didn't achieve, I would focus on how far I've gotten from where I was initially. And kind of highlight what it took for me to get there in the first place. Because... I need to reiterate the idea of not looking at another person lame. So I'm sure a lot of you have already heard this. But um, the saying that says you can't focus on where you're going or see what's ahead of you if you're always glancing over at someone else's lame. Because eventually it'll crash, right? Well, same thing goes for like overthinking or just like life in general. You can't always try and dictate what your standards should be based off of another person within your circle or sphere of life. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, which is also why I named this episode that, because I think the concept of just anxieties and stress as a whole, there's a lot of advice given in the world, and a lot of it makes it feel like you're the issue when in fact you're not the problem it's the environment that you're in that's the problem and I think a big part of dealing with overthinking anxieties and imposter syndrome is changing your environment so whether that's your physical environment, so like households, um, areas that you like that you tend to like stay in, or whether it's the people that you surround yourself with, or whether that's like the activities that you do. I think a lot of it stems from the environment that we're in, and you can't compare your environment to someone else's environment because there's so many a multitude of factors that are not taken into account just by visually seeing the progress the progress that someone else has made i think that's my take on overthinking and those are like the three key points that have helped me um, diminish my overthinking or even prevent it at times. Next topic is anxieties. And initially I was going to give a definition of anxieties, but it rubs me the wrong way to give a concrete description of what I believe emotions and behaviors 
are based on because that varies from person to person. So what an anxiety can look like or feel like to me may not look like or feel like the same thing for another person. So I'm just going to describe what I felt I experienced as anxiety. So anxiety to me is when overthinking infiltrates my day-to-day life to the point where I cannot do the things I do on a daily basis. A good example of that is when I applied to CJEP once again. I don't know why I was so stressed about CJEP because now looking back at it, that should be the least of my worries. Well, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. CJEP should not be the least of my worries. But I shouldn't have made it out to be something thousand times bigger than it actually was. And I think now that I'm applying, well, now that I've applied for university, I'm not as stressed because I know what I put myself through almost two years ago. And it definitely wasn't worth it looking back at it. Uh, what had happened is when I applied, at first I was fine, and then like a few days, a few months, I would keep overthinking. Like, what if this happens? Or what if I don't get in? If I don't get in, then I have to do this. And I like strategically make all these plans. Because I'm a huge planner. I love planning, like planning anything Apple Calendar, Google Calendar, physical calendars, to do lists. It's my niche. So I, I, I love to be planned. And when I can't plan every specific detail the way I want, it freaks me out. Like, I'm not a control freak, but I'm kind of like a plan freak, if I could call it that. But I would create all these hypothetical situations and scenarios of what my CJEP admission could look like. And it would drive me insane to the point where I literally could not sleep. Because I would be checking reddits. Like reddits bro. About CJEP. And admissions. And what happens if this happens. Da, 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 da. I went down like this whole black hole. Like I'm sure. If there's federal agents. Looking at my phone. They were getting tired of seeing my search bar. Because that's all I'd be searching up during the night. I think that, for me, was a point that I realized. Yeah, this is not healthy because I can't do what I'm supposed to do on a daily basis. And the way I dealt with that was, one, I needed to have a support system around me that can notice when I'm spiraling and for me at the time that was really um, my mom and you're probably thinking well I already knew this but at at that time I didn't and I think that when you experience stress to that level you don't 
that's not really your first thought that appears in your mind but i think having someone or people to hold you accountable and to check up on you is extremely important it's extremely important so it was vital for me because yes i used to have a lot of friends but it's really only the past two years or so that i've learned that my friends my entourage and especially my family keep me grounded and they are and should always be an avenue that i can completely be honest with and an avenue that can completely be honest with me so what that looked like was for me was like my mom sitting me down and telling me you know what like you just have to take a breather and realize that there's nothing else that you can do and i know this sucks to hear it and i know like you don't want to hear this right now kendra but you can't do this to yourself right so having like an accountability partner whether that's your family family member a best friend friends anything just any person that is willing to check up on you and has your best interest at heart is vital well it was extremely vital for me at the time and two um this might kind of seem like an evasion tactic but it helped me a lot so developing a hobby something that i can construct constructively keep working on while slowly bringing down the walls that i've built for me anxiety encompasses me being an introvert and a good example of me creating a hobby that is constructively working on breaking down what anxiety is built is creating this podcast in the first place because it's an avenue where i've been able to have virtual like conversations with people whereas in the real world i would be slightly scared to sit and talk about a lot of these subjects or situations or personal anecdotes face to face so looking back at it now if two years ago i had a podcast or just not even a place where people would listen to me but just being able to like record myself vent about certain topics and issues that i had floating around in my head I think I would have handled the whole admissions, stress, and anxiety a lot better than I had. And I think that's one thing that I really regret because, like I mentioned before, I used to think that I had to do exactly what other people were doing. So, you know how everyone's into like that journaling kick? I would think, you know what, maybe I just have to write down my ideas. But that's not me because when i write i want it to be perfect and in order to vent out 
why my feelings, my behaviors, my thoughts, your feelings, your thoughts are not always perfect. And I think having an audio platform helps me a lot more than it does having a physical visual platform like writing. So I think figuring out a hobby and depending on an entourage of family members or friends, anyone that's close enough to tell you the cold hard facts that you don't want to hear was a necessity for me in order to release all the anxiety that I had bottled up. So lastly, in my stages of stress, we went over overthinking, anxiety. Now it's imposter syndrome. So if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, I actually wrote down a definition because not many people actually understand the complexity of imposter syndrome because it's kind of overthinking anxiety mixed in a bowl and then thrown at you out of the blue moon like on some random day. So imposter syndrome is when an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So I heard this quote, I can't remember where, but it says, people less qualified than you are living out your dream. And when I heard that, that was a drop of water in my glass that really overfilled and confirmed, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to just start. Like, that's what pushed me to start this podcast in the first place. For me, imposter syndrome, honestly, if you look at it from a historical point of view, or like a societal point of view, I think I've been, I've experienced imposter syndrome mostly throughout my entire life, but it's really rooted in the fact that um, it's really hard for me to truly think I deserve something because you always have, I always felt like I had to always fight for something. Now, what I mean by that is in my head, I have never proved myself, and even till now, I still have yet to prove myself. So, whatever accomplishment I get, it's just a means to an end. I didn't, in my head, the way I see it, is I didn't accomplish it, it's just, okay, this is one step, what do I have to do next? And I think that plays a role in me doubting whether I should be qualified or not to do a specific task or 
to make a project like this because anyone that motivated me to start this project in the first place has heard me say well who's gonna want to listen to me talk about nonsense for like who's gonna want to listen to me talk about nonsense for around 30 minutes every week i tend to internalize my accomplishments and not view them as good enough and i think i think that's why to me imposter syndrome stems from overthinking and anxiety because imposter syndrome comes back to like haunt me after I've overcome a certain situation surrounding anxiety. And I think in part imposter syndrome is very prominent among minorities because as like we slowly break down barriers and norms we also tend to question if we're qualified even though we are most likely overqualified society's made us feel and ingrained in us that we are not up to standards and that is completely false and yes i can say that's completely false and still believe that i'm not adequate enough this also brings up the point of lack of representation because you wouldn't feel like you weren't qualified for something if there was someone else that looked like you doing it in the first place but i think that's another issue as a whole the anxieties the overthinking that i had thinking the beginning almost two years ago that i wasn't good enough to get in and then how that transformed into the anxiety i had about not being up to the standards scaring the sea dragon if i don't get in then what am i gonna do da, 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 have manifested its way into how I think I'm going to perform in university level. And the worst part is, it's prob- that's probably going to manifest its way into my career once I graduate from university. And I think, yes, now that I've experienced what I've experienced and I'm able to kind of identify when situations like this happen, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And I think the whole point of making this episode wasn't to try and be a how-to guide because I don't even know how to deal with overthinking, anxiety, and imposter syndrome, which is funny because I'm making this episode, but I don't know how to deal with it. I'm figuring it out right now. I'm going through the motions and figuring out, figuring it out as I go.
like so many other people and it doesn't really matter what age or maturity you have because at the end of the day I'm probably gonna be 50 and well 50 is young to be retiring but like 60 60 70 and still have anxieties and still feel like I'm not qualified or good enough for certain situations but trying to build on what you've experienced setting yourself up to remember the way I look at it is when you go through these situations you can categorize how you reacted and what actions you took based off of this was constructive and this wasn't and I think for me at least over the past few years I've been able to identify what has worked and what has been constructive versus what hasn't and I take what has been constructive and apply it whenever I feel like that wave of doubt is coming and then you restart that process again so from what you took was constructive in your last situation you apply that to what you're trying to deal with now and you restart that by figuring out once you've overcome it what did work and what did it and I think that's how I've dealt with it in the long run it may not be the healthiest way may not be the best way but like I said this entire podcast is not a how-to guide it's really more of a diary and testimony which sounds weird to say because I I'm still quite young, but I think we just have to kind of experience life and take the ups and downs that come with that as well. So that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and hopefully... Honestly, I chose this this topic because people have asked me, and I personally don't think I am the most... Okay, see, this is what I mean. Imposter syndrome again. I don't think I'm the most qualified to talk about this subject, but I have experienced it before, and I am fully transparent about it. Because it's quite normal to feel extremely stressed. And especially when you're in periods of your life that are so detrimental to your future. But hopefully you enjoyed it. And hopefully someone or anyone can relate to what I've gone through, what I'm still going through. And if you have 
any comments feel free to let me know i hope you guys have an amazing night because i'm filming this at 10 42 p.m and i will catch you in the next episode bye